Hi, and welcome to Untethered with Genlis, the podcast that's here to help you break free, be you, and unleash your inner brilliance. I'm your host, Jen, and in this episode, we're going to talk about how to regulate your nervous system and reclaim your inner peace. Let's dive in. Hi there, friend. It's Jen. Welcome back to the podcast. We are coming to the end of Brilliance of Breathwork Month, and it's been such an amazing journey speaking to coaches, breathworkers, people all around the world who do this work and seeing all of the different perspectives that they bring to the table, all of the reasons that they do what they do the ways that they see it supporting other people. And that's why I'm really excited to introduce today's special guest, Wolf Castillo. So Wolf is a trauma-informed coach. He's also a breath worker, and he also is finishing up right now a really interesting experiment that he did where he had people doing cold plunges and breath work and doing all of this raw work. And then they were actually measuring some of the results that people had. And he talks about it here in this episode. One of the things that Wolf is really passionate about is helping people to learn how to regulate their own nervous systems, how to stop the chatter in their brain that tells them that they're not good enough, that they're bad, whatever the thing is. That's my own personal story is that I'm bad and that I hurt people. That's one of the the things that my brain likes to say. And some years might say that you're not enough or whatever those stories are, he really supports people in quieting down those stories and instead living your most aligned, what he calls fuck yes. (laughs) And I love that this is something that he is so passionate about. And as you're going to hear in this conversation, it's because he himself has struggled with his own mental health in his life. And he knows, like he knows at a visceral level. And one of the things that I have gained through this month of talking to all of these individuals is that at some level, we have dealt with something ourselves. And that's what makes us an expert to help other people with it. And I hope you take that away for yourself too, that the challenges that we have gone through are some of the biggest gifts that you have. Like we hone amazing, magical, sparkly gifts that we can offer to other people through our own trials that we have gone through. And so often we downplay that. We think that because we've had struggles, that makes us unworthy. When in fact, it might make you the most worthy to support people in this way. So keep that in mind as you listen to this episode with Wolf today. I would also like to make sure that you know that becoming a founding member of Brilliant Breathwork, that opportunity ends on November 30th. So that is coming to a close. If you want to become a founding member of Brilliant Breathwork, you can go to genlist.com slash join, use code SPARKLE to save 30% off. Another amazing thing that you get in my retreat that is happening this week on December 1st from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific time. It's going to be amazing. We're having somatic coaching, guided visualization. A human design expert is coming in and doing a human design workshop. If you've been curious at all about human design, if you have this, maybe this is the first you've ever heard of human design. It's fascinating. It's like the Enneagram, but with like astrology involved. It's it's so cool and so fascinating. And then I'm also going to be offering breathwork at this retreat. This retreat is intended to awaken your inner brilliance. So you can step into the last part of this year, the beginning of next year and beyond awakened to the magic, that brilliance that is inside of you. So if you want to do that, becoming a member of Brilliant Breathwork offers you this retreat for free. You can also simply sign up for the retreat. So if you just want to come to the retreat, go to genlist.com slash retreat. If you want to join Brilliant Breathwork as a founding member, Go to genlist.com slash join, enter code SPARKLE, and you will come and join this spectacular community who is using the tool of breathwork to support us in tapping into our highest and our best, helping us to release the things that are holding us back, that are tethering us and keeping us stuck, 
and starting to shine our brightest light out there into the world. So now without further ado, I welcome to the podcast, the wonderful Wolf Castillo. Hi, Wolf. Hello. So excited to have you here on the podcast. We met through a mutual friend and it's when somebody says you have to interview this person, I always know that I'm up for a good conversation and that my listeners are going to get a great conversation too. So thanks for coming on. Honored and privileged to be here. <laughs> also, the fact that you just said it that way, I know that we're a match. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf and I were actually talking right before the podcast and I was like, oh my goodness, we are such a match on this topic and also the audience because we were speaking about Bronnie Ware's Five Regrets of the Dying and that number one regret that we don't live a life most authentically to ourselves. And it's just such a passion of mine to talk about this so that we all really are questioning, am I living a life that is true to myself? Wolf, why is that something that you care so much about? The very fact that that is like the first thread that connected us uh, is already, I, I can already feel myself getting emotional because I have, I know where this conversation is going to go, but like I have it on my wall there. Literally of the sticky notes that's on that wall, that's one of them. And the reason being very simply because I am one of the people who knows very deeply what it's like to struggle with an incredible amount of anxiety and depression and even to the point of suicidal ideation because I thought that who I was at a core level was not enough. And not just like I thought it, but I felt it. Like I could tell myself in my head, you're worthy, I'm worthy and mantra and and do all of that. But when you operate throughout your day and the chatter that's happening automatically, not the one that I was doing my best to program, but the automatic is no, you're not. You will never be. You're not worthy of love. No one will ever love you. You're not good looking. Like when that's running through your head all the time, it's maddening. And I lived with that for years. So when I got to the point in my journey in my life where thankfully I had someone, I had people who reconnected me to the light and to hope, that was when I realized that so much of my journey up until that point was the byproduct of trying to meet the expectations and standards of my friends, of, of my friends, of my family, of society. And that very simple idea, the number one regret of the dying, to live living a life that was inauthentic or untrue to oneself, when I committed to being that for myself, I recognized that I had also stumbled across, revealed, or remembered the mission or the purpose that I had in this lifetime, which was to be that for myself in hopes that that light would project into others so they could be that for themselves because I found a lot of peace there. and. It just feels good to be who we are at our core and not a mask or a persona of someone that we're not. Yeah, it's it's so hard to be all of the masks. We put so much energy into that. And when we can unveil all of that and come back home to who we are, it's just it's like you said, that is that is where peace lives, I truly believe. So I'm I'm curious, and this is just a curiosity. Do you feel like people from the outside knew that you were struggling so much inside? Was it obvious? Do you think? Were you wearing a lot of masks? The degree to which I was suffering, no one could know. Yeah. Because it's one thing to to see it in someone's face and be like, oh, like they're tired or they're having having a bad day or they've been going through it. But unless you've been in that person's head and you've been in their soma, you've been in their body, you can never truly understand the depth. And the closest we can get is if they share with you and even closer if they share with you and their channels are open enough to where you can actually empathize. Not like I think that I understand and I feel, but like I feel grief hearing you speak because you've allowed me to enter into that. So in some way, I know that some people knew because I had mentioned it and I'm usually pretty forthright about where I'm at with people, but people knowing that there was many days where I struggled to get out of bed, let alone keep up with my studies in college or really show up and be the presence that I needed to be for the person I was dating or my family. No, they didn't, they didn't understand the depths of it, but 
to whatever degree I let them know, like they knew I was struggling. But years later, when I talked to people about it, most of them were like, had no clue. So suffering in silence for sure. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to be to acknowledge and be aware of is that those voices that are in our heads, like nobody else can hear it, <laughs> but you and nobody else can see the depth at which you are suffering. So I have a question for you about those voices. Like, when did you notice them? <laughs> Since we're down this rabbit hole, when did you notice them? And what did you do about them? How did you get to where you are today? Today, you are a breath worker, you you do all all kinds of cool things. So how did you get from point A to point B? What shifted for you? I don't know that there's a clear line in the sand where I can say that I started to have the awareness of my cognitions, like what was kind of floating around up here. I think I've always been super self-conscious and, and by nature, I would say not by nature, by whatever conditioning that happened in my past childhood, teens, whatever it was, my way of coping and feeling safe was to retreat to here. Mm. Disassociation became my norm. So I think I've for a long time known that I've been up here, but when I really started to get connected to the the tape recorder and the programming that was going along all the fucking time, that came more present around the time I was in high school and then moving into college when I started to I'll say experiment with, I guess I didn't really know what I was doing, but like I was experimenting with psychedelics and it was through that journey and through that experience where I became really present to the amount of depression, and anxiety in my system. And I didn't have a therapist. I didn't really have encouragement from my outside peoples and spaces to, to seek professional help, nor did I have the resources financially in order to pursue that. So that was a way for me to start getting present to the dialogues. And then through psychedelics, through breathwork actually came a little bit later. It was meditation. It was personal development through business development groups I got into. It was through uh, a training, a leadership slash personal development program called Landmark. And then later business development, Red Elephant, all of those in culmination in conjunction with really great coaches slowly brought me more and more present to what was floating around in my conscious, but also especially my subconscious projecting into my conscious mind. So not necessarily a line in the sand, but I would say more over time as I peel back the layers, I got present to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what it sounds like to me, so you have done a lot of coaching, a lot of exploration, a lot of trying of a lot of different things that have led you to the point that you're at. There wasn't a line in the sand, but perhaps there was a willingness to turn inward and seek what is happening here. There was something that led you to, instead of taking this path, <laughs> which could have been, you know, self-destruction, you took this path, which was self-development. There was certainly some self-destruction, but mm. I would say I am fortunate that whether it was impressed upon me through my parents or through my own innateness, I, I've always had a fascination for learning, but particularly about learning around like psychology and neuroscience, neurobiology, like anything that helped me to better understand this very fascinating thing that we call our bodies. That is, we understand in many ways, but it's also incredibly ambiguous in other ways. I learned as a function of necessity because I was hurting. And thankfully, to your point, I did, I, I became deeply committed to me not living the rest of my life feeling at war with myself. Yeah. And I mean, what's what's at stake with that? When you look at the world around you, you obviously coach people, you help people with this. What do you feel through your own experience and through coaching people? Like, what is at stake if we don't turn inward, don't come back into our bodies, don't, you know, face some of these things? Yeah, I guess that's the question. What's at, what's at stake? Being alive and feeling dead or wanting, to the extremist extent, wanting to be dead. And by the way, I don't think that all this is doom and gloom. I, I come back to this just because like this was a reality that I experienced. But how many of us, myself included, have spent some portion of our life living on autopilot? We go to jobs we hate. We spend time with people we don't really feel ourselves with. We eat foods. 
We spend time in places, all the nouns, people, places, and things that we're investing our time that don't really feel, as I like to say, like a fuck yes. And not that everything at all times is going to feel like a fuck yes. There's going to be some things that feel like a fuck no, and they don't feel good. It doesn't feel good in our soul. It doesn't feel good in our mind. But if the majority of what we are consuming, if I think of it in terms of food as a metaphor, if I'm constantly eating junk food and processed things that very clearly aren't in alignment with what my body's telling me, right? I eat garbage. I know for me right now, like I love ice cream, but if I eat almost any ice cream, I get bad gas. My belly gets all the gurgles. It's just not good. And that's my body saying, please stop it. This shit hurts. It doesn't feel good. And if I continue to not listen to it, my body habituates and it doesn't feel good for me, but it habituates it and it numbs. And as I am going to loosely quote from a song that really touches my heart from the Lumineers, uh, it's better to feel pain than nothing at all. And to me, the death before our actual death is when we go numb. When we start to make the little things that really bother us okay, right? Death by a thousand paper cuts. It's it's very infrequent that what kills anything in our life, whether it's a great relationship, whether it's our health, whether it's our, our, our finances, which for me was a big thing around like struggling with money. And I like got to work on that. Like any of these things left untended to, we choose ignorance. We think it's bliss, but really it's ignorance that leads to numbness. And, and numbness from my personal experience is one of the most depleting and hurtful experiences in this life. So I think what's at risk is being fully fucking alive. And that's like what, for me, big part of what my mission is here is like, we feel alive. We feel good. We feel excited. Yes, we experience sadness and grief. Like people pass and there's what's happening going on in the world that's going on, but we can still come back to our center to the best of our ability and experience our aliveness, even in grief, even in sadness, but we don't live there all the time because, well, that's not a way to live. That's not living at all, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that's such a beautiful segue into the work that you do. And some of this, you've been doing an experiment with cold plunging, would love to hear about that. And then also like, where does for you, where does breath work come into all of this? Where does breath work come into this and the cold experiment? I'll start with breath work. Breath work preceded the cold experiment, but breath work was actually something I ex- have experienced for most of my life, a lot of resistance to, because the idea of sitting and just breathing sounded very boring to my very active self. I like to move. I like to do things. I'm, I'm like fidgety by nature, if you will, or, you know, conditioning, let's just say. So the idea of sitting, eating, meditating, anything like that was not my go-to. And when we talk about more involved breathwork experiences, some being, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, but some I've done even up to like two hours. That's a lot of just, is this something I, I really want to do? Well, the short version, I'll give you kind of like the short version of each and you tell me where we want to go from this. But I became very fascinated with wanting to learn how to better regulate myself. And also where my coaching journey started was wanting to be able to help others regulate. But more importantly was, can we regulate? Can we live authentically? And can we equip ourselves in a way where we can handle the inevitable stressors of life? I am very blessed and very fortunate to have come across a, well, a friend of mine actually said, hey, there's this breathwork training. And we were talking about doing breathwork for me. Like we should get certified in breathwork. It'd be really helpful because we were leading very simple types of breathwork, but to really understand the intricacies of breathwork and as it relates to the nervous system and as it related to trauma-informed approaches, let's know our stuff better because it's important to not cause more harm than help we're actually providing, right? risk mitigation, harm mitigation, and reducing and increasing the benefits that it could have. And also selfishly for my own practice, I want to be able to regulate me better. So a buddy of mine said, hey, there's this practice that was going, there's going to be this container. And we said, okay, cool, let's do it. They call themselves Refuge Leadership Academy. And at first, what I didn't realize is I thought I was signing up for breath work, a breath work training, similar to what some people might have heard of as like somatic breath work. But what I really signed up for was something called somatic leadership. And somatic leadership was 
the space, the container led by my mentors, Fabiano Menino and Nathan Kohlerman, where we started to dive into fundamental principles of trauma and somatics and show me how to essentially process information that gets trapped and lodged in our bodies. Similar to if a food doesn't get digested and somehow it creates uh, constipation. If it has nowhere to go and you continue to add stuff, it creates dis-ease, it creates illness, it creates an abnormality in the body that then expresses itself typically through pain and uncomfortability. Well, in the same way, trauma and, and energetics, when those emotions, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, emotion, energy, and motion, when those energies can't motion and move through us, they get trapped. And then when they get trapped, they create abnormalities, which then leads to dis-ease, illness, and ultimately not feeling good, not feeling alive. So through the process, we learned, okay, let's, let's ungunkify ourselves. Let's implement these practices that help us to move and to reset so our bodies can be in alignment and be centered and we can function properly. And those simple principles became very, in my experience, one-to-one applicable to what you were referring to earlier, the cold experiment. Now, actually, we started the cold experiment two and a half years ago. I did this training back in October of 2022. We're in November of 2023. So a little over a year ago was when that started. But the cold experiment started two and a half years ago. It was actually just an idea that me and my buddy had. After I had a very profound experience, my own in the ice, we were like, let's create these containers and see if we can create a positive change where people learn how to, as we say, conquer the cold moments together, to to embrace and meet head on the cold moments in our lives, whether it be in our money, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our careers, whatever it is, if we can take the metaphor of plunging in the, in the cold ice water or going into a breathwork experience that has a tendency to bring things up, if we can bring this all into this a single a singular idea like we grow through the cold moments together let's see what happens well two and a half years later we've done over 10 events we've served well over 500 people and funny enough actually uh today's a monday uh we did our last event together as a unit uh, just two days ago actually uh, i will continue to do them in, in my own way in a kind of a different container if you will but more importantly, just want to point out that that event to me was when all of it came together. All of the years of training, all of the years of breath work, all of it came together in, in that experience, which we can go into more of that if you want to. But at the high level, this was where I got to see that when breath, things like breath, things like cold, but really when you bring people together under this unified thing called let's heal, grow and expand together. Absolutely consciousness shifting, absolutely nervous system. As you said before we started, just exhale. That to me is what the cold experiment, breath work, or any other regulatory practice provided me was an opportunity to reclaim my peaceful center that then allows me to create whatever it is that I want out of my life. And I can say that honestly, because I've learned how to regulate and I've learned how to breathe very simply. This is why my relationships have improved, why I went from being in a lot of debt to being in a better financial place I've ever been in my life to being able to serve my clients more effectively. And even so far as um, this past Thursday, a few days ago, when I did a testimonial with a client and I said, what was life like before and what was life like after? She said that there, I didn't know this. She said there were days many, many days where I was just struggling to get out of bed. And in that moment, I heard me and her. And then, and now, I can get out of bed. I have hope. And that voice in my head that used to hate its hate me so much every day, I can hear that voice and say, hey, I hear you. I see you. It's like that reclamation where we see ourselves as... Is like to say, like the divine remembrance of who we really were when we came into this world. I think that that's what it affords us.
Oh, that's so powerful. What a gift your work has been to that individual and to all of those 500 people. I'm so certain. So I have a question for anybody who's listening. Cold plunging is something that we hear a lot about. We hear a lot about all of these things. In fact, like it's like breath work and cold plunging and all of these things that are kind of like the, the, the things that we're doing. And it sounds like what you're saying is it's not about each of those individual things, but the greater whole and the, the purpose of regulation and finding that peace. Is that, is that kind of what surmising what you're saying here? Absolutely. Yeah. So for those who haven't done it though, let's talk about cold plunging for a second. <laughs> Why? Why? I haven't had anybody on the podcast come talk about this. Why would you do that? And what is it? What is it for somebody who's like, okay, I see these like pictures of people hopping in tubs of ice. Because you want more for you. Why do we do breath work? Why do we do meditation? Why do we yoga? It doesn't matter what the fucking practice is. We do it because we want to experience something more than what we currently are. And not to say that what we're experiencing isn't enough, but that, oh, and I'll point specifically to cold, but like the general idea of let me take on a practice that is going to allow me to step further into the version of myself that I know I'm capable of being, or maybe that I don't even know I'm capable of being yet. Cause we have people all the time who come to our experiences. In fact, I can't make this up. There was someone who was at our event and I had shared with them my story about absolutely hating myself. And they said, that's where I'm at right now. I was like, I can relate to you. And you might not be able to see the version of yourself yet that sees yourself as fucking immaculate, incredible and worthy of love, but I'm going to stand here for it because I had people stand for there for me before I could. So uh, maybe a little bit more of a dramatic way to kind of jump into this. But for me, the cold, uh, let me just start by saying I was born and raised in Florida. It is hot as fuck here. It's always hot. It's always hot. It's like 364 days of hot. And then one day of like cold ish. And then you tell people from Minnesota, you know, like, oh, we had a cold day. It was like 40. Like, shut up. We have negative compete with us. We have negative. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. We don't really get cold here. So we grew up in a, I grew up in a hot climate. So when my buddy proposed to me, Hey, you should try a cold shower. This is pre ice baths. I was like, mm, no, and you can go fuck yourself because that sounds awful. Cause I'm like steaming hot, piping hot shower, burn my skin off. Like that's what I prefer. It's my thing. Why not? It's so funny to me though, that you like live in heat and you also prefer the hot shower. I would almost think that you'd prefer the cold shower because Florida is like straight up swamp ass. Like as soon as you step outside of your we house, it's so funny. <laughs> the humidity is, I mean, I come to enjoy the humidity. I don't like dry places, but yeah, you totally got swamp ass. If you're hanging out in Florida full <laughs> show, like there's absolutely going to be some swamp ass. And even still, <laughs> if you ask the majority of Floridians, Hey, how about cold showers? Like if it ain't burning my skin off, it ain't from me. Like, oh, okay. Yes. This is going to be a hard sell. <laughs> so why then cold plunges? Why, how did you possibly bridge this gap in your brain? Uh, I tried it. I tried a cold shower and after I did it, I felt energized. I felt good. Most importantly, I felt really alive. I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this thing. So I kept doing cold showers and that led to doing ice baths. And then that led to doing a lot of research around cold therapy and even deeper around regulation, nervous system regulation, parasympathetic, sympathetic, all of that. And we can jump into like the stat dropping of like, you know, people when they did the studies, like people who did cold therapy on average experienced for the following hours, it was a 250% increase in dopamine, which for those of you who don't know what dopamine is, dopamine is our neuromodulator of seeking. Now, some people think, oh, it's like what I get when when I when I get to a place. It's like actually no, dopamine is what drives you there. In the same way that if you're driving in a car and you're like, oh, there's a cookie at home waiting for me, I can't wait. That's dopamine. Dopamine's kicking in the entire time. It's driving you to go home, get into your house, rip open the pantry, and boom. You hope there's a cookie there still, and your kids didn't eat it, whatever the hell it is. But like dopamine's what's driving us. It is our goal-seeking neuromodulator, and super important, especially for those people who've experienced depression as deeply as I have, or at any capacity. When you lack motivation, you say, oh, "I don't have motivation." There's like two parts. That one is like motivation is not something you have; it's something that you do. And we also have neuromodulators that 
are connected to that. If I have a lot of dopamine, not like manic levels of dopamine, but like a proper amount of dopamine, I'm I'm going to be much more likely to lean into going to the gym when I don't feel like it or having uh, making more time to be with my significant other because I realize that a healthy relationship long term is built on the premise that I invest time in the same way that I invest money into a portfolio in the same way that I invest in better foods for my body. So dopamine, you get a significant increase in dopamine. That's one incredible reason. Another is, and this one I'm going to give a shout out to my coffee drinkers. People who did cold therapy, we saw an increase in norepinephrine of about three to 400%. Norepinephrine is our primary neuromodulator of energy and alertness in our nervous system. If we start to bring in the, the autonomic nervous system, which is a branch of our peripheral nervous system, we have our sympathetic and parasympathetic, which are just scientific ways of saying sympathetic, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which even more simplified is saying alertness, awakeness. Then we have our parasympathetic, which is our rest and digest. The way that I like to relate to these things is sun and moon energy. Sun, sympathetic, wakefulness during the day, alertness, focus. Parasympathetic, moon energy, rest, relax, digest, eat a meal, go to sleep. This is our recovery period. Well, from my experience, if you have too much of either one of them, too much is sympathetic, then you're going to get this more rigid, frenetic, anxious, overly stressed out energy, too much sun, too much activity. And this is going to be important. If you're listening, it's going to be helpful to check in with yourself and ask yourself, like, where do I fall on the spectrum as we're going through this? Do I lean more sympathetic or parasympathetic? Because it can actually tell you what types of breath work you need, what types of practices you need. Like having that self-awareness is step one in any kind of transformation or should I do ice baths or not? Parasympathetic, moon energy. This is going to be my calm, my relax. But if I have too much calm and relax, or let's just say a severe lack of the proper amount of dopamine, I can sink into depression, lethargy. I don't want to do anything, especially not anything outside of what I normally do. So we're seeing with ice baths, an increase of around three to 400% in norepinephrine, which is driving behavior and alertness. We're, we're, we're feeling more alive and alert. And interestingly enough, when we drink coffee, coffee doesn't just increase energy. Coffee, the molecules in coffee are, I think it's like one mole. I have to, I have to relook this up. Someone's gonna have to like fact check me on this, but they're like one molecule off from There's a molecule that builds up in our body throughout the day. And when it builds up, it makes us feel tired. And what this does is it actually parks itself in the receptor sites in our body that have us feel more tired. So it actually blocks our ability to feel tired. That's what happens when we drink coffee. Well, interestingly enough, if we do an ice bath, it actually has a similar effect. It increases the amount of felt experience and energy. So not only are we experiencing an increase in dopamine and norepinephrine, which is going to have us feel alive and alert. But I would say for myself, even more importantly, is that I am literally choosing to embrace a cold moment. When I go into the ice bath, when I go into a cold shower, the science is showing us that our mental uh, our mental faculties, our ability to think rationally, be up in our prefrontal cortex and to project and to envision, that energy, that blood flow actually leaves our brain and goes towards our body. It's entering a stress response. And this is interesting because some people say, like, why the hell would I want to stress myself? Like getting the cold is a stress response. Well, in the same way that so is a sauna, going to those extremes actually helps to reset our nervous system. But in particular with the cold, we add what is referred to as a hormetic stressor. And a hormetic stressor is a temporary or acute stress response that once we come back to our baseline, has us more equipped to handle stress in the future. We increase our capacity to handle stress such that if it was lower, we wouldn't be able to handle certain events without becoming overwhelmed and and anxious. Right now, we've increased our capacity to handle those stressful situations. And by nature of doing something stressful like that, we've also taken that metaphorical cup of built up stress and actually dumped it out. So we've decreased the amount of stress in our body and we've been able to increase our capacity because when that blood flow wanted to go to our body and say, run, fight, flight, freeze, run, fawn, like when it wanted to run, if I pause and I breathe and I choose to recenter my nervous system, well, the next time I have a 
very abrupt conversation with my significant other or an exchange between me and my boss or my family member or something happens in my environment that creates a stress response in me, I can actually pause. I can breathe versus letting myself be subjected to the automaticity or the automatic nature of a stress response, which can typically yield to what we refer to as reacting versus responding, right? Responsibility, the ability to respond. So I would say in all in all, the cold has allowed me to actually be in the driver's seat of my life because when my body and my mind says to run, I can say, hold on, pause, breathe. I get to command my attention versus letting my in-the-moment feelings control and dictate how I show up in any space. Yeah, that's so beautifully described. So I have never done a cold plunge. I'm just going to be honest, but I do cold showers. I I regulate, you know, I go from cold to hot and cold to hot. I've done that for a long time and it really does feel, I feel more alive. I feel more alert. I didn't know a lot of the scientific, what you're saying about what's happening in my brain. So it's so fascinating. Thank you so much for describing everything that you have described. How does this relate? How does the cold plunging? So you're a coach and you coach people. Do you suggest that every person does cold plunging, breath work, coaching? Like, what do you suggest that? How do people know? Okay, I'm a person who wants to live a life that's true to me. I want to find peace. I want to find, you know, I want to be able to regulate my nervous system. What is like step one that you recommend for people? What would you tell somebody to do? I want to answer your question. I want to first do a little side tangent, which is I don't recommend anything to everyone because even in the case of ice baths, I've had people come to me and say, I have this very specific cardiovascular abnormality. Should I do this? Quick Google search will tell me, no, you're at risk because so the the simple answer is you should always talk to your physician with even with breath work as well, because breath work and ice baths and things like that, anytime we're impacting our nervous system, if If we don't and I don't know the impact that these types of practices could have on our nervous system and thusly what it could create, it could end up creating more trauma or more pain or more dysregulation, especially if you don't have a trained counterpart to make sure that you're being supported in a proper way. Now, that's not to say to to freak people out around like ice baths and breath work. I think that there are non-invasive ways to get into the practices. For example, I think... I don't know anyone personally from my personal experience, and I'm not telling anyone should take this. I'm not a doctor. You should always consult your physician. But I don't think I've ever heard of anyone having any adverse reactions to say a cold shower. Ice baths and, and cold showers, although similar, not the same. Ice baths are way more intense. Unless you're out in you know Colorado and it's freezing and the water coming out is pretty cold, but even still, it's not the same. It doesn't impact the body the same when it's like kind of drizzling on you versus when you're sitting in it. Uh, it's, it's a very different experience altogether. So I don't think there's a, a one-stop shop for everyone. I will say just out of like, you know, the love of my heart, like wanting people to get what they need, feel free to just like slide into my DMs on Instagram. If you're curious, I can always send resources. Um, but whether it's coaching, whether it's breath work, whether it's ice baths, I don't recommend it to everyone. I would say, well, step one is it always needs to be any transformation awareness, always awareness. What is it that I'm seeking? And sometimes what it is that I'm seeking can be easily more easily found through what do I feel like I'm missing or feels dysregulated or isn't working? Any of those are saying the same thing. What isn't working for me? When I know what isn't working for me, then the question becomes, well, what can I do? It could be breath. It could be ice. I think at that point, I used to be adverse to this next answer just because I think I was too proud. But I think from that point, there's two ways you can do it. One, you go and you seek some kind of professional help, whether it's a doctor or a therapist, or even someone who, for example, like myself, people come to me and ask me around like ideas around like ice baths and getting into it. Just reach out to someone that you, you know, like, and trust. And also you genuinely know that they give a fuck about your well-being. Like that has to be the most important thing that they are more focused on you getting what you need than putting a dollar in their pocket. Super important. 
But outside of that, you know, you can read books, you can go on YouTube. There's tons of free breathwork protocols that are on there, simple ones that are very like cooling and relaxing, right? Parasympathetic we talked about. Or if you want something more sympathetic and alert, you can literally go on YouTube and say energizing breathwork or calming breathwork. And they are there and there's not going to be, to my knowing, any inherent risk that's going to come with those. So I think step one is know thyself, know what you want. And also by product of that could be knowing what you don't want. And then it's it's getting help, whether it's free resources or reaching out to someone. Those are always great places to start. Yeah, all of that is so many amazing points in what you just shared there. And kind of the overarching thematic of that is that this is individualized. There is no one-stop shop for every single person, which is part of this brilliant breathwork month and talking even within the realm of breathwork. You know, we've heard along the way so many different people who teach it differently, who see it differently, who say, you know, these are the kinds of people who I help and these are the kinds of people who I help. Here's the techniques that I use. There's so many different ways. And it's the knowing thyself, that point number one that you said is get to know yourself. And there are also experts who can help you get to know yourself. If that's, if you're even like, okay, actually step one, that's really hard. I don't know myself. That was me. I get that. There are people out there. There are coaches out there who will help you to know yourself. It starts with a journal. It starts with like some simple questions. What do I want out of my life? What in my life right now isn't working? And what's something that I'd like to aspire towards? And even just sitting with that three to five minutes a day for a week, you'll get a little bit more clarity. Don't do what I try to do and some of us try to do, which is figure it all out in one sitting and get overwhelmed. Like, I can't figure out where to start. It's like step one, just find one thing that's working, one thing that's not working and one thing you'd like to call in more of. That's a great, simple way to start. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So very simple, easy journaling exercise if you're at that. Step one. So often we can point out, I used to do hair wool for many years. And no wonder your hair is on fleek. <laughs> I, I still have the same hairstylist that we've been doing each other's hair for, for 20 years. And I still fly home to Kansas so that I can get my hair done from her. And I live in, I live in Oregon now. But anyway, one of the things that I noticed, and I think this just applies to just human nature in general, is that people would never, so often people wouldn't know what they want. They would come in and they'd be like, oh, I don't know what I want. But where I could start was what they didn't want because we know what we don't want. Like we know what we don't like. That's so easy for us. So if it's easier for you to start on step two and do those journaling exercises to back into step one, I'm curious what you think about this, but I just noticed that so often it was easy to start there because it's like, oh, I already know that. That's easy. And then I can start to back into what I actually do desire and, and do want. Mm. This is why I love the the saying that flow is a space between intention and surrender, between structure and structurelessness. Because I think we need both, right? We talk about masculine, feminine dynamics, not male and female, because I don't think that those are the same. But like, let's just say the masculine energy is more structured and has like its path versus the feminine dynamic is is more fluid. And, and I think like more like water. Right. So if you have a creek and, and it has all the different rocks and things, it creates the structure with which the water can flow. And that being the feminine. Well, for me, I like to have the structure, for example, those three questions. But I also like to say the feminine is where does your intuition, where does your spirit, whatever word relates to you, your gut, where does it take you? Because if you don't know immediately what you want, but what you do know is what you don't like. Think of it in terms of relationship and you're and you want to figure out if I say, let's go and figure out your fuck yes relationship. I always like to play this game, right? What is my fuck yes? Well, I don't know my fuck yes is. Well, talk to me. Let's do a little bit of um a curious anthropology here. What are some experiences that you've had in your past with people that you've dated that you didn't like? What are some clear red flags? As um I've been listening to oh, uh, what's his name? Super good looking, funny guy recently. It'll come back to me. But he does this bit around red flags. He's like, guys, girls, like, what are some red flags in relationships? And if you figure out what your red flags are, then you can say, well, I know that it's important to me and someone that I'm dating for them to be empathetic to my experience. Like they can't just like always make it about them and, and not hear them having to say and always have something to say back. Like they have to be really open to being empathetic and, and to communicate. It's also really important to me. Just be honest. I'm vain. Like someone that like I find attractive, like they, I need to be attracted to them because like that's important to me. And that's something I want to also have there because like I know that 
Uh, I've had experiences. I'm making this up. Like I had an experience like I dated someone like I just didn't feel as attracted to them. There's nothing wrong about them. It's just like I didn't experience the same way that not everyone finds me attractive. So like, okay, that's something else. As we get more clear about what we don't want, I don't want someone who like, you know, who loves Trump or whatever, like weird thing like that is like whatever their thing is. Maybe you do love Trump. It doesn't matter. I'm not actually knocking on Trump. But like you figure out the things you don't want. And then from that, you can then look at the other side and say, well, I do value someone who who will just like love me as I am. And and you play that game. So I don't think that there's any, again, one shoe fits all. It's like ride the flow as the flow comes to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best advice. That's the best advice that anybody could ever receive is to ride the flow. And yet we resist the flow at every turn, <laughs> at every turn. It's just like, we're just like, no, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And it's like, no, just go jump in the ocean and enjoy it and find out what feels fun to you. <laughs> But but we don't. So, Wolf, is there anything that we haven't covered in this conversation speaking about breath work and the things that can support people in regulating their nervous system, coaching, anything that you just want people to know? If you are struggling and you have any sense that you're supposed to do it on your own and be independent and no one's going to get you. It's not true. And find someone or some people's, someone's who can be there with you, who can be there for you. Find your community, find your tribe. Because for me, a lot of my game in this lifetime has become playing the game of fuck yes and fuck no. Because it's the, it's the indifference and the ambiguity in the center that I think robs us of the richness of the, of the polarity of being really fully in or being fully out in either one of those is totally cool. Honor your fuck yes. Find what your most important truths are and stick to those because why can't we be the ones who rewrote the narrative where the number one regret of the dying was that they lived a that they lived a life that was untrue to them? What if we turn that upside down in his head? What if we started to live authentically? What if we did that and recognizing we didn't have to do it alone? Because another one, another top regret of the dying is that they wish they'd been closer to their friends and their family, right? Like be proximal and be vulnerable and and be honest when you're not living in integrity with your truth, because that's the only way that we move towards that full fuck yes aliveness versus the lying to ourselves and moving towards that numbness. And it's like eating food that's flavorless. Let's enjoy this very terse existence while we have it. That's so beautiful. I love all your food metaphors, by the way. Sucker for a food metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many. <laughs> okay, final question. I ask everybody who comes on the podcast this. Wolf, where do you see the magic in the world? The poet in me wanted to say in your eyes. That was like the most <laughs> top of the mind thing. It's like, where's the magic? It's in your eyes right there. I'm looking in your eyes and there it is. That was just the most top of mind. I feel like the magic is in community. I, I feel like it's with your people. Not that being time with self is important. I actually think it's super important. I think that the, the greatest healing, growth, transformation, everything I've ever done, those moments, I can almost all of them contribute to being in a space for people where I felt gotten, fully fucking gotten and loved and accepted. So when those urges come for me to, to isolate because of what's going on in my head, the anxiety, the stress, whatever it is, I'm reminded that the magic is is in my peoples. And and also I'm reflected back that I am also the magic too. And so are you. Mm, so good. What an important reminder about community and that that time with self, that really valuable time with self makes us even better for when we are in our community. Something that you said there about, you know, being close with our friends and family, that's been a journey for me because it's fucking vulnerable mm -hmm. to be honest and to be truthful with the people who you love the most. And so we will just skirt it like crazy, you know, but the more honest we are with ourselves, the easier that becomes. So, and then you can, you're just so much richer for your community when you're richer for yourself. So thank you for that reminder. What an important reminder. Beautiful note to end this on. Can I add something to that while you're saying? Yeah, please. I'm loosely par uh, 
paraphrasing this is something I heard way back when, uh, but it really stuck for me. And and it was what a what a, what a tragedy it is that you didn't you you let me in in your greatest moments to celebrate with you, but you robbed me of the gift of being with you when you were at your lowest. And I think if we where it's really easy for us to be open and to be alive and to be excited when we feel good, but fuck, wouldn't it be magical if we allowed ourselves to be seen in our lowest lows and realize we were just as lovable and worthy? That to me would also be really magical is seeing that there's a gift and being witnessed and held in both and allowing ourselves to be, to witness and hold others in that as well. Uh, That's so powerful. And that, that has to be some of what you're doing with your work and many breath workers and people who are doing this kind of work coaches. It's holding space for people to feel safe even at their worst even even in those lows even dipping into that bag that you have like sealed up and like double and triple bagged and said I'm never going to look at this again <laughs> you know I'm just never never going to you know you're creating those safe spaces for people to do it so thank you for the work that you do and for coming on and sharing on the podcast today Thank you for having me. It's been such a privilege to to share this space with you. And I'm sure this will be the beginning of a, another important relationship in my life. So thank you, Jen. Beautiful. Thanks, Wolf. Thank you so much to Wolf for coming on and sharing so vulnerably and sharing all of the research that he has done and all of his knowledge that he has gained over his years of coaching people and supporting people, everything that he knows about the nervous system. I hope you learned something from Wolf today in this episode. If you would like to connect with Wolf, you can go follow him on Instagram, follow the Wolf. He's got all of his links there. I've also included all of the links to his work, to what he does so that you can follow him, follow along and go go back and watch some of his posts from the cold experiment that he did. Go and catch all of his content over there on his Instagram. Check the show notes and you can go connect with Wolf. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If there was something in this episode that you gained for yourself, I encourage you to share it on social media. Tag me, tag Wolf. We will both reshare your post if you tag us. We really appreciate that you would listen and that you would share this informative and transformative content with others out there in the world. You just keep shining your magical unicorn light out there for all to see. I'll see you next time.